0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. The wait is over. It's here, episode 49. Hi everybody, I am Ken Levine, your podcast host. And this is part two of my interview with Arlen Peters. Arlen Peters is an entertainment reporter. For a long time, he worked for CBS Radio and television. Also for a lot of movie studios, doing those behind-the-scene interviews when they were making various motion pictures. Well, this week, we talk a lot about Robin Williams, who was a really fascinating, complex guy. Meryl Streep who actually asks him for some interview advice. Richard Pryor turns out to be kind of an asshole. This is a great one. Miss Piggy, who comes with her own hair and makeup person. Also, a little bit about a couple of writers. Neil Simon, Quentin Tarantino, I guess you consider him a writer too, Uh, Carl Reiner, and... Heiress Patty Hearst, she was the one who was kidnapped. And one of the astronauts who went to the moon, Buzz Aldrin. So those are some of the names, but you're also going to find out what these junkets are like and what these stars have to go through when they promote movies. It's actually kind of rigorous. And you might remember when Hugh Grant was... Picked up for soliciting a hooker on Santa Monica Boulevard. Well, it happened to be after he had spent a day in one of these junkets having to be interviewed by 60 different people. So, you know, you can kind of understand why he was uh, a little fried and not thinking correctly correctly. Anyway, that's part two with Arlen Peters on Hollywood and Levine. Let's get it going right now. Hollywood and Levine. Robin Williams. Did you ever interview Robin Williams? Many, many times. I probably
1: interviewed Robin, I think, more than anyone else. Wow. And uh, the very first time I interviewed him was back, again, it must have been maybe the early 80s, 80 or 81, and he had done a movie. See if you remember this movie. The Survivors?
0: Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Michael Ritchie directed it. (sighs) You know, I'm
1: not even sure at this point. It was so long ago.
0: Yeah, trust me. Well,
1: this this could have been a a comedy sketch in itself. Um, We did this interview in Sherman Oaks, which is here in the San Fernando Valley, and it was during the summer. We set up outside to do this interview, and it was beautiful. It was in the backyard of his manager or whatever. And it was really lovely. A nice shot. And there greenery and good. And Robin shows up. And it was quiet. It was lovely. Robin sits down. We start the interview. Everything that could go wrong during an interview. This is the first time I met the man. Everything that could go wrong during an interview went wrong during that interview. Uh, we're Bird outside. shitting
0: on your head. And-
1: well, pretty close. We're sitting outside. So the first thing, its somehow it's garbage collection day. <laughs> so that we somehow. somehow, so we somehow, somehow it's garbage some, collection. Day. Some miracle, and and so there's the banging of the cans. Uh-huh. Then they were doing some construction, so we had the construction vehicles, the beep 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 beep, right. backing up construction vehicles. Mm-hmm. Then we had it's like they were doing an air show overhead. We had the the flyby, the the jet flyby that. Continued on and on and on. Then we had the wild pack of dogs howling that, that started and it got wrapped up by somehow a, a parade of gnats, little gnats attacking Robin and myself as we, as we sat there.
0: Were they at least quiet gnats or?
1: A slight buzz. Okay. A slight buzz. Yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, I usually will pause the tape. Somehow we were laughing and enjoying ourselves we let the tape run and I have all this on tape and Robin, of course, gets up at one point because all this is going on and starts doing his voices starts doing his shtick and it's like i'm seeing a concert with everything that could go wrong during an interview uh-huh and i made the mistake made them say mr straight man here uh he had his microphone on and within the business if the mic cord is not tucked in you will ask somebody to dress their cord, to dress the mic cord meaning mm-hmm. tuck it in I said, Robin, Robin, you need to dress your cord. Well, that was a, oh, my cord, dress my cord, whoa! And he went into another 10-minute uh, shtick there with the, with the thing. It was just a, a very funny, that was the first time I met him. And now, at the, when we were done with this, I had asked him some personal questions too, and he came over to me and he said, listen, thank you very much for the interview, I'm sorry about all the problems with it. I said, not your fault. He says, but thank you so much, you asked me about my baby, And nobody ever asked that. He had just had, I think it was his first child. Hmm. And he said, I really appreciate that because it's so special to me. And I thought, another little moment with Robin.
0: So when you would interview Robin Williams, for the most part, were you getting back straight answers or were you getting back shtick? A mixture,
1: a mixture. You never, what you'd never want to do is you never want to tell somebody to kind of restrain their particular talent just right. let them let them do their thing mm-hmm. you know uh you don't want to tell robin uh you know don't be funny give me do an interview but don't be funny you don't want to do that with, right. with with anyone and uh you get a mixture of things but he was always w- truly one of the dearest people i ever met because there were times i saw him where he was just tired exhausted and he had to do interviews and i said to him i said How are you going to get through this? He said, I just just kind of, he just kind of quiets himself down. And this is during one of these junkets. Mm -hmm. And I'd see him come to life and never complained about being tired. Always did a wonderful job. Just a
0: dear, dear, dear man. You know, these junkets were brutal for actors. I mean, remember the night that Hugh Grant was caught with a hooker on Santa Monica Boulevard? of the all-american burger well apparently he was coming from a junket (laughs) i mean you know they're fried they go in and there's like 60 sam rubens that just interview one after another after another asking the same questions and i i'm sure that 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 must just be grueling for actors what you're forgetting ken It's
1: Saturday of sitting with 60 Sam Rubens with the domestic U.S. press. And then Sunday are the foreign press. So you don't even understand what they're saying. It's very hard to to do this. Going back to Robin for a second, he had the Sunday, and I'll never forget this interview. There was a, a lovely lady from Japan who was interviewing him and he's you know robin is rolling along and he's doing he's putting out all of his energy and she was rather heavy set, and she sat almost like a female buddha and never really smiled or said anything and robin is doing his thing and when he'd stop she would ask a question and here's robin doing a you know, six seven minutes of stuff and and not a smile not a reaction nothing and 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 at, at one point he leaned forward and he said to her he said uh too much decaf. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it, it, it that was that was another difficult part of the of the of the press junkets. But yet, these actors said yes to these things, and they would sit there. I think I told you, I spent a day with with uh, with Rob Reiner, and he did sixty interviews. And at the end of the day, he said to me, "I, I swear, at interview like twenty five, I was having out of body experiences. I didn't even know what planet I was on."
0: Right. Yeah. Right. You also told me a great story about Meryl Streep coming to you, asking you how she should handle those things this was you're uh, giving acting notes to meryl street yes i'm i uh,
1: that's what i do i'm an interviewer and acting coach to legends like meryl
0: street <laughs> uh arlen help me help me I what's get those, my motivation where's my emotional center i i need you i get those damn calls day and night can't really get started <laughs>
1: uh no it was postcards from the edge we were in las vegas and that if you recall had quite a cast Mike Nichols was the director he was with us
0: yeah it was Shirley, the uh, Carrie Fisher book Carrie Fisher yeah. was
1: there with us Richard Dreyfus was there Shirley, Shirley McLean. Yeah. Meryl Streep so we would set up we would spend a, a day setting up and again we were in the uh, uh, Caesar's Palace setting up and I was walking through the, the lobby of the floor we were setting up and I see Meryl Streep and uh, this is again the day before we did the full junket and I just smiled and I said, you know, how are you doing? She says, oh, God, I am so nervous. So I stopped and I said, nervous? What, you nervous? Why? Oh, I just, I do very few of these. And I just, the thought of sitting and doing all of these interviews, of oh God, it's just overwhelming. And she said, you do these all the time. I said, well, yeah, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not being interviewed. But uh, she says, oh, God, hey, you know, help me. I said, you know, I'll give you a little tip. And I said to her, uh, you know, she had done over career stage performances, and I said, well, when you do a stage performance, you go out and and uh, each stage performance has to be brand new, has to be fresh, like the audience has never heard you. Here, you're going to do. Look at it doing sixty stage performances in a in a two day period, and each one is six or seven minutes long.
0: It's like a so, seven minute play. Yeah, you're a blue doing playlist. a seven minute play. Right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So I said, approach it from that standpoint and you know, hopefully you're, okay. so you gonna Okay, she went on her way and that was it. End of the day now we're wrapping things up and one of the studio people comes over to me and and befuddled and says, uh, Arlen uh uh uh, 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 Meryl, uh asked about she, she she wanted to talk to you. Of course they have no idea why Right, setting up Meryl
0: Streep need to talk to this guy for? So
1: I go down the hallway, and there's Meryl, and she, you know, oh, my gosh, thanking me and thanking me and thanking me. That little tip I gave her really helped her out, and she was able to get through the the day, and it was wonderful, and she just wanted to thank me. So I'm available to (laughs) help
0: others. (laughs) Good to know. Richard Pryor. Now, Richard Pryor, to me, a genius but also seems like he could be a loose cannon in one of these things. What was Richard Pryor like? Okay, so this is a movie called Critical Condition,
1: which I'm sure you've probably never heard of either.
0: No, I've heard of it, didn't see it. Well,
1: directed by not someone you'd think of as a comedy director, Michael Apted, Okay. He did, uh, you know, basically a lot of dramatic things. So the setup of this was uh, Richard Pryor had done a movie called Whose Life Is It Anyway? No, I take that back. Richard Pryor had done a movie about his life, and I don't remember the name of it. Okay. And that uh, important. We we it's a podcast. We were doing a little junket, if just with Pryor and some people in North Carolina, because this is where he was doing his his um, this filming of this critical condition movie. Okay. So I had said to Paramount Pictures, "We're going to be back there. Is there something that you can we do some behind the scenes thing? Sure, sure, sure. You're going to be there. Fine." so we did this thing with Pryor, and now it's the next day and it was an abandoned hospital set and uh joe Mantegna was in the movie lovely man to deal with okay and uh, good to hear and Pryor, prior is there and I'll, I'll never forget again an abandoned hospital and they've got you know all the lighting and everything It's this, this place the 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 film takes place during a blackout in this hospital okay so Pryor's sitting at the end of a hallway, I remember, and just sitting there, no smile on his face, nobody talking to him, just sitting there. Okay, so he's doing his whatever he needs to do, and now it's, we should do this interview. So normally the, the pecking order on a movie set is you go to the unit publicist, and you say, okay, can we do the thing for Pryor? And I go to the unit publicist, and he says, uh, oh, no, I can't. I can't approach him with this. I said, well, that's your job. And, oh, no, I, oh, no, 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 why don't you ask the producer? Uh, you know he'll 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 range it i said you can't no 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 no. so i go to the producer (gasps) prior oh no 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 i can't and the producer runs away so i could see (laughs) that we have everybody in this movie hating the thought of approaching richard Pryor. well when in doubt, you just do it yourself so he's sitting at the end of the hallway and i you know wander over and uh uh, richard and he just looks at me and i said i was just wondering you know we're doing a behind the scenes thing if you'd like to do an interview and he stares at me and says, fuck you. <laughs> and he puts his head down. And I thought, okay. So I walk away. And, yeah. and then, of course, the publicist, how did it go? How did it go? Great. Said, it's like, the producer says, how did it go? So, well, bottom line was, I don't know if somebody said something to him or if he saw, but he, 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 a little later on, a half hour later, he says, uh, oh, what, what, what do you, you want to do? What do you want to do? And I said, I do this interview. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and uh, I said, fine, uh, if you want to do it, if you really want to do it. Yeah. So off we go to, we set up another area in the hospital to do this thing. And because he was such a pain, we set up a, a lot of uh, uh, medical things behind him as a background. And I said, let's put a bunch of little urinal things behind him. That'll be his background shot because that's how angered he made me. Mm-hmm. and so that was he didn't know, even know that but that right. was, and he, so he sat down and I started doing this interview maybe seven, eight minutes and he said uh, okay, thank you and it's like well, wait a minute uh, you're <laughs> ending this interview? I mean, there was barely anything his, his, his answers were maybe a sentence long nothing funny no anime, nothing I said, no, no we need to do some more I do a little bit more dreadful just dreadful nothing there but that was it he was gone and I remember uh, I get the movie now, and the movie was dreadful. So now I cut this thing together with him, and Tanya was great. I put it together, and I had to go to Paramount, and I showed them, and the people in Paramount said, "Well, oh, wait a minute, you know, uh, Pryor's not funny." I said, "I hate to tell you, but your movie's not funny either." <laughs> I didn't work for Paramount after that, by the way. That was the last production <laughs> I did. But no, he was just—he was just dreadful, and apparently he was just dreadful to everybody like that. He was just in his own world and I, I do remember this this was after he had had that explosion that chemical explosion right. and he had a, a person who just did body makeup for him because literally without the body makeup he had a shirt off he he literally looked like a chicken you'd get at the market wow you
0: know, raw chicken it was really yeah all of these guys have have <laughs> posses right you know somebody to refill their water glass somebody to put body well, makeup l- on but l- yeah. I was going to say, you also dealt with Miss Piggy, who also had an entourage. Yes. Part of over the years, there are things
1: called satellite press tours, where uh, instead of doing a physical junket where all these interviewers come in, uh, you'll do a studio. This was the HBO Studios in New York, and pick key morning shows or key daytime shows. And they would have interviews every fifteen or twenty minutes or something or every half hour, and you 'd have a talent in there, and they couldn 't see the interviewer, but the interviewer could see them you know on a single camera mm-hmm. and If you watch any of the morning you know Good Morning America you see these kind of satellite tours so miss Piggy satellite tour for miss piggy okay fine it 'll be interesting so off I go to New York, HBO Studios. And Miss Piggy, <clears throat> at that time, was handled by uh, Frank Oz, who is did the voice for Miss Piggy. Right. But also a very, very good uh, comedy director. Oh, yeah. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels was one. What About Bob, I think, was another. Very good comedy yeah, director. Yeah,
0: Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: very talented. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, in comes Frank, and in comes Piggy, In I hate to say, in her box, uh-huh. and in <laughs> comes two... Two women with Miss Piggy. One was the, the kind of the Miss Piggy
0: His holder. pig Piggy in a blanket.
1: Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the other was the Miss Piggy uh, makeup and hair person. because There was a makeup and hair person there was it, for Miss Piggy? It. Yes, because uh-huh. she had to have her little... Uh, Fetlock or whatever that was, combed, Uh and and this woman did kind of fluffed everything up and made it look good, and and uh, but there's a certain way you do Muppets, and hopefully I'm not giving away too much, but the way the Muppets are done is uh, Frank Oz sits in a chair, and basically Miss Piggy or the Muppets are over his head, so he's looking at a special monitor rig that's kind of attached to his chest with a special microphone. And he's looking straight ahead, but above his head, he's actually
0: manipulating and maneuvering uh,
1: maneuvering, uh, uh, Miss Piggy. But I remember there was a certain way she had to enter the frame. It was kind of like she was walking in and up, and she had to exit the frame a certain way, and very precise, very precise. And I found myself at one point when we were setting things up actually addressing Miss Piggy, like Miss Piggy was... Was like a person, chat with me uh-huh. too, which I thought was unusual. Uh-huh. But that was, yeah, that was Miss Piggy. Yeah, that was fun, unusual.
0: What about Whitney Houston?
1: That was an unusual uh, situation because it was a documentary, and I rarely did things on that for, for whatever reason they wanted a like a little behind the scenes promotional thing done. It was a documentary on drugs, and this was many years ago. I, I'm not even sure of the date on this. But Whitney Houston looked absolutely beautiful. And I went in to do just a short interview with her. And and it, I'd forgotten I even did this. And then I found some of the video of this. And what really makes the hair stand up when you look at this is she's talking about the evil of drugs. And she's making sure that people don't get caught up in this. And then obviously what happened. But she looks so beautiful.
0: And then when you think what happened on the road, it's just really... I think I did the very first interview ever with Whitney Houston.
1: And what was that all about? And
0: that was, it was like 1969, 1970, and I was in college at UCLA, and a friend of mine, Ray Weinstein, and I tried to put together a company where we would have one-hour syndicated radio programs for middle-of-the-road stations that would spotlight different stars. So we would play their songs, and we had a narrator, and we would interview the various stars. So for our pilot, we somehow arranged to get Dion Warwick. So we go up to Dion Warwick's house up above Sunset, and I'm setting up the equipment... And this little girl comes down and she's like four years old and she sees what we're doing. And so I turn on the tape recorder and I say, hi, what's your name? And she says, Whitney. Wow. You know, it was her niece who was living with her. And so somewhere I have the very first uh, interview. I didn't ask her about drugs or ask her about anything like that, though. No. No. Left it for me. Yeah, left it for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, What about some writers? What about Neil Simon? You know, one of my idols. Was Neil Simon a good interview? Well, I...
1: Very clever man. Very clever man. Um, And his cleverness was on the page, not uh, in a a verbal situation. Uh, He had done... If you recall at one time, he was living in Los Angeles, and his plays were premiering at the music center or the taper or Mm -hmm. whatever the the theaters down downtown Mm -hmm. so there were three or four i've lost track of how many yeah
0: and uh i was doing playing our song and yeah a number of them i
1: think this might have been this might have been chapter two okay Mm okay a very very good uh, uh play very good play anyway um i was doing a lot of dealing with the music center at that time so the woman handling music center would you like to you know talk to mr simon oh of course, yeah of course so off i go he was living in bel-air at that time and i went he was married to marcia mason that mm-hmm. time. and i went and i had my little cassette recorder and i sat down and you know thinking well this is going to be a really interesting interview and basically the bottom line was everything i tried was well it's really hard for me to talk about writing it's really hard for me to talk about what's funny it's really hard for me to talk about the way I work. That w- essentially was kind of the interview. It's, it's like it, 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 with him, it was internal and he really didn't verbalize it. And, I, and again, very pleasant, but there just, there were uh, a few little crumbs, but it wasn't really forthcoming.
0: What about non-celebrities, non-actors or writers? Uh, Buzz Aldrin you know, from the very first moon landing, you interviewed Buzz Aldrin. What was that like? Well, I have a, like a good pair. You
1: mentioned Buzz Aldrin. I'll tell you about that. The second was Patty Hearst.
0: Patty Hearst. Yeah. Yes. Okay, right. But Buzz Aldrin. The heiress who was kidnapped. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. But Buzz Aldrin. Okay. So Buzz Aldrin wrote a book called Return to Earth. And this was after. What was it about? No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so anyhow, Buzz uh, had this book, and there was a, a book publicist who who I dealt with for many years who had the top authors, and I, I would always get a call from him, and I said, well, I'd love to interview Buzz Alden. It'd be, you know, very unusual. So this fellow had, a this publicist, had a, an office here in town on Robertson, a very nondescript kind of building, and <clears throat> I went over to, uh, to uh, you know, to meet Buzz, who was late. I got set up. This was just a radio. Everybody is an hour and a half late for you. Not everyone. Okay. Not everyone. All right. But he, was a okay. little, he was a little late. Uh-huh. Not everyone, no. Uh, so he, um, I got set up and I'm uh, waiting and in comes Buzz. And I could tell he was a little frazzled and apologized because he was late, and the traffic, and the, yeah, fine. And he sits. You know down the asteroids, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the damn uh, vehicle didn't lift off on time from the moon. Uh-huh. Throwing off my uh, own. Uh,
0: the thrusters weren't working. God damn it!
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, damn those thrusters! Uh, so I'm sitting there, and before we even start the interview, and just just chatting with him, and embarrassingly enough, something smelled a little bit. There was a there was a little odoriferous. And I guess Buzz noticed it too. And Buzz excused himself. I'll I'll be right back. And he goes, "Okay, fine." Well, it turned out that Buzz, on his way in, I guess it stepped on a little doggy road apple.
0: Okay. On the
1: way in, and it had <laughs> one small step for <laughs> mankind. <laughs> and he had brought this uh, brought this little trinket in with him into the. So he. Went to kind of, you know, clean that off. So he came back, and we kind of knew what it was. And I thought mm, he's really
0: now really nervous and this little sweat. And I mean, these are like great exclusives that you're getting here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought,
1: okay, to lighten things up a little bit, I thought I'll I'll say something to kind of lift him up. Mm-hmm. So I said, I, I bet you didn't step on any of that on the moon, which I thought was not a bad right. line. Uh huh somehow he went into a deeper funk and i thought oh god i'm really screwed here but you know the man uh, what i had found out is he had a lot of problems with depression a lot of problems because these these guys were test pilots basically you know they were not public celebrities or worldwide celebrities right and he was thrust with armstrong and the other one they were thrust into this Massive, massive publicity thing no, and prepared he prepared for it, he yeah. just couldn't handle it, mm-hmm. so again, uh you know, we got through the interview and it was his interview, but I'll never forget the uh, little uh,
0: stepping in the dog do, and I tried, I thought that was a good line it was a good line, yeah it didn't it work. was a good line, it didn't work, knew would have laughed. <laughs> Armstrong, not Simon. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's true.
1: Simon wouldn't have left.
0: Uh-huh. No. no. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Patty Hearst, Patty who is, uh, is the heiress who in 1974 was kidnapped in San Francisco.
1: And that was, again, a big worldwide oh, uh,
0: yes. uh, thing at that
1: time. Um, so Patty Hearst, uh, there was a movie made called Patty. Natasha Richardson played Patty. Okay. And um, so... Get a call. Um, we need some things in this movie. And an in interview with Patty Hearst. I, Whoa, oh, okay. Yeah, that's That sounds good. And where is the interview taking place? It's taking place in a motel across from Disneyland. Odd. Well, that was the location of the movie, but that was the real location where she was held hostage.
0: And she was okay with going back there?
1: Yeah, And I thought, whoa, uh, this is interesting. So I do my research and I, you know, get a list of questions. Well, talk about nervous studio people. I forget the movie company at this point, but oh my God, these people were like walking on eggshells because she was there and... You know, now, uh, you know, literally, they were threatening me. Now, I just you,
0: picture you, her with a bandana and uh, <laughs> a rifle, right, and a machine gun. Or <laughs> machine whatever, gun, you know? yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and now you, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this.
1: All right, so she's not, she's not there yet. They're, they're sending out for. She's an hour and a half
0: late. everyone's yeah. late. Yeah. Uh-huh. She talked to the other people I interviewed. Uh-huh. And they all said, "Come
1: an hour Coming and a half an hour late.
0: late." Yes. So, uh,
1: but her husband was was out there, and she married her bodyguard. By the way. She married a bodyguard. Is that Steve Weed or is that somebody no, else? No, no, no. This was something else. Oh, okay. And, uh, but anyway, uh, so somebody introduced me to me. Good job, bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, he, you know, he was there and I thought, you know what? What better person to ask if these questions would be offensive than her husband? So, again, I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm doing an interview with Patty. and Oh, that's great. I said, now, how is she? Well, she really hasn't done any interviews. She hadn't done any real interviews since this whole thing had happened. Really, so I said, Well, I don't want to step on any toes, but here's what I was going to ask. And some of it was, you know, very specific to her, you know, to her situation. Ordeal, yeah. And uh, talking about this room that she was actually held. Uh And he looks at the thing. I said, now would she be offended by this? Because I'll, you know, gladly things looked at it. Oh, no, no, she'll answer all this. So, I said, so. What
0: was Sin Q like in bed? Right. yeah That
1: was the first question. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so okay, fine. So now, out she comes, and you would never know. Just a very sweet woman. And we're, we're, we're doing this now. Right behind me is the guy from the studio. Now, I said to the guy from the studio, I said, I went over all these questions with her husband. He's fine with the thing. He's like terrorized that something right. would go wrong. I asked a couple of questions, and and this guy actually shoves me. The the guy from the studio actually, instead of saying Was he afraid the (laughs) Symbianese Liberation Army is going to come (laughs) after him? He thought there would be another attack. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, I thought, oh, God. So I kind of truncated the interview. But again, she couldn't have been nicer and very forthcoming with with things and very comfortable. And she thanked me afterwards. And I just thought it was the whole thing was like an out of body experience that I'm talking to somebody who is in worldwide headlines and we're standing in a place that is not a set. It's actually the place that they held her kidnapped. Oh, and there's surreal. Disney, And Disneyland is across the street. Uh-huh. Which, <laughs> that in itself is weird. <laughs>
0: so, Fantasy land, captivity land. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You were on the set of Reservoir Dogs, it was Quentin Tarantino's first movie, and nobody really knew about Quentin Tarantino at the time, and he certainly didn't have any kind of a reputation, so, you know, I mean, that just seemed like it was a weird set. What was that like for you, being on the set of Reservoir Dogs? First off, I hadn't heard of Tarantino at this point. Nobody did. Um,
1: I got a call. This is a movie company, uh, and could I cover this in one day, just to go out and 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 cover this? And it was, um, you know, the, the list of actors who were in there. And what uh, was the
0: day? Were they at the
1: warehouse or were they at the uh, diner? They were shoving somebody in the trunk of a car. Oh, okay. And it was a warehouse shoving somebody in the trunk of a car. Okay. And uh, now here's a name out of the past that probably a handful of people will know: Lawrence Tierney, who, who is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, he's there. There were um, uh, C. Buscemi. There were a few people who who you kind of right. knew there. You know, a couple. Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel was and, yeah. out there that day. They, one of the reasons they want to do it because all the guys are there, uh-huh. <clears throat> and Tarantino, was.
0: Madsen, and all those guys. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: And I wound up interviewing all of them, so it was you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But again, I hadn't interviewed uh, Tarantino at all. But I- I'll never forget Harvey Keitel is a very intense person, <laughs> very intense. Knock he's, me over with a feather. Always intense. Uh huh. So he sits down to do this interview, and it, one of these people where you think at any moment he's going to get up and just punch you in the face. I mean, <laughs> he, he always looks like he's wound up where he's going to hit uh-huh. and, Uh huh. And so you know, I,
0: Meryl it, Streep wasn't like that. No, no, no she, didn't she didn't punch me. No, okay. she thought about it, but she right. Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so Keitel, uh, you know, was, was there, and I, I went through the whole group. But at one point, Lawrence Tierney was kind of a B-movie actor that Tarantino loved. And he's in this, and he was a rather washed up drunk. The day before I was told, he had a yeah, drinking problem, and, and the, one of the first ADs said to me, it's good you came today, because yesterday we had a problem with him. And I said, "What well, what was the problem? And they said, well, he was staying in some kind of a cheap motel on Vine Street in Hollywood, and uh, w- w- he, he didn't show up. So we sent a PA, and they said, oh, he's in hes in jail. Well, what's he doing in jail? Well, apparently he had a few, too many drinks and decided to fire his gun into the ceiling of the place. So, oh, anyway, that nice. was the day before. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. okay, back to the set. So, uh, so uh, now he's out there, and I, I, I think he. Kevin Spacey says, "See, I never did that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so he's there on the on the set, and I still think he's not all there. So, I'm doing an interview with one of the guys, and I realize that. Tyranny is now across the street. This was a very kind of nondescript area, and I think Monterey Park out here mm-hmm. in, in, this, in this area here. And, and I look, and I, and I watch as I'm doing this interview, and he drops his pants, and he's kind of rearranging his boxer shorts. And I thought, you know, somehow, I don't think that would look so good in the background of an interview. So we had to stop and actually have him move away. So. But Quentin came, and he had never done an interview before, Never. His background was he worked in a video store in Manhattan Beach. Right. And, and so this is his first movie, and he's all excited. And, oh, I, you know, I never did an interview or anything. Well, I'll guide you through this. Great interview, great interview. He was so energetic, so effusive, couldn't stop talking. Didn't know what he was doing out there. I mean, he didn't know really where to put the camera or what. He had his director of photography, and they were doing it. But he was so overwhelmingly enthused. That you know Yeah that, that was that was the thing and who knew you know when I had to finally put the piece together, try to find clips from that movie to use that you could put on television. <laughs> I, I, I was I was racking my brain to, to actually put a piece together.
0: Uh huh. You know? The Steelers Wheel uh, scene didn't work for you. Huh? <laughs> yeah.
1: Very little work.
0: Yeah. There were like three
1: seconds in that movie that could be used.
0: <laughs> who was your favorite interview?
1: Well, I mentioned Robin i mentioned uh, robin williams Mm -hmm. uh, who is just you know wonderful um i always lean toward comedy people and and i know that's your hallmark too right um you don't get any better than carl reiner you don't get any better than mel brooks you really don't i mean those two it it just it's just wonderful i was uh, uh carl reiner and i think it's the last movie he's done movie called sibling rivalry with Kirstie Alley was in that movie. Okay. And, uh, and they were shooting it up north in like Sausalito or whatever, and I was shooting that. And Carl had some time, and I sat down with him, and I did probably over an hour with him. We talked about everything. And just, you, you, you will not meet a lovelier, dearer person than, than Carl Reiner. And about a month after I did that interview, uh, I was home, television was on, and I hear Carl Reiner talking, and I think, That sounds very familiar. And I go, and they were giving him an American Comedy Award. And somehow they had the interview that I did, that I had just done. And they used that as his tribute thing, which I was so thrilled... That they took that interview because it was so wide ranging. It covered everything. Uh huh. You know, the sh- from the show of shows to when he was get any royalties
0: for it. No, no, nothing. Uh huh.
1: But I mean, it was it was lovely. And then afterwards, again, we did this press junket for sibling rivalry, and rare time he came over to me, shook my hand, and said, "Thank you so much." That was just one of the best interviews I ever did. And I said, I saw it on the American Comedy Award. And he said, I really appreciate it because it, it was just, it was one. And of course, it was um, uh, uh, Rob's, uh, it was a Castle Rock film too. Mm-hmm. So, and Rob was thrilled with it and just this lovely. And Mel, I, I met Mel on Blazing Saddles and did a lot of things. And, and Mel would would call on the phone. He would call the, the office and, Arlen, Arlen, it's Mel. Come over. I'll, we're releasing uh, twelve chairs on the thing. We'll do an interview. We'll do, it. and it just you know, Mel is Mel. It just doesn't get any better than that.
0: Great. Well, I'm going to shake your hand and thank you for a great interview too, Arlen. This was terrific. Thanks My so pleasure. much. My pleasure.
1: My pleasure. can thank you.
0: All right. We'll we'll do it again because we haven't even gotten to the B actors yet. No. No. until the, the C TV or the D. Guys. D the, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, okay. There are no C or D actors. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks, Kim. And there you have it, episode 49, and that ends the two-part series with Arlen Peters. Interesting guy. I don't think I would want his job. Anyway, uh, he also uh, does a great speaking tour, so if you would like him to speak at your event, you can get in touch with him. Just go to P. At Roadrunner.com. That's Arlen P at Roadrunner.com. Our thanks as always to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, John Wolfert, Howard Hoffman, and Randy Thomas. If you have any questions please just email me at hollywoodlevine at outlook.com again that's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com and you can follow me on twitter also on instagram hollywood and levine thanks so much for listening back next week with another action-packed episode talk to you then hollywood